I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. For cycling's mediocrity, you have found Backfiller. The Backfiller podcast will help you achieve bicycle bliss, two-wheeled tranquility, or at least the simple ability to smile at the silly sports you regularly attempt to conquer. The Backfiller podcast is hosted by a has-been who cannot climb. You can contact the show through Facebook, Twitter, or emailing us at info at packfiller.com. And now, sit back, ignore responsibility and training, and enjoy the Packfiller Podcast. The tour is a week in. We have made it here alive. I've seen less crashes in a group of Cat Fives. You like that one? You like that one? I'm a year older. The tour's getting hillier. I'm not in the front. I'm simply Pack Filler. I know hillier and Pack Filler don't really rhyme together, but kiss my butt. Welcome to the Pack Filler Podcast, the best podcast that sports the best tan lines. I'm in my freaking 87-degree dining room, not the Pack Filler Studios. If you tuned in to the last episode, you know why. I'm Pat Bolger. Hi, everybody. ABM today. Thanks for the birthday wishes, by the way, which was just... So, you know, I was supposed to record yesterday, but I came home from a what we call a Sounders birthday. Yes, I cheated on you cycling fans, and I went for my birthday to Seattle, Washington to watch Seattle Sounders. 
my son's a big soccer player, and I think I've mentioned that before several times ad nauseum in the show. And um, for my birthday, we decided to go see his sport and drove over to Seattle, watched the game over there. It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, soccer, you know, if you're a cycling fan, chances are you might have a little bit of soccer blood in you or something like that. It's all that European stuff that we can't get out of our heads. Uh, good weekend. So it was a lot of fun. Um, didn't get to record yesterday as promised, but um, in fine tradition of the Tour de France, here I am on the rest day, getting something in, getting recorded. But before we go to that, thanks to the Sufferfest, our sponsors, of course, for a very long time. Thanks to David McQuillan and the crew over at the Sufferfest. Half is easy is the new video, and it is out now, and it is not easy. Trust me, when he says half is easy, that means he is a big ass liar. Uh, go to this packfiller.com site, click on the little Sufferfest logo and buy yourself that video and, and let me know what you think. I, I think it's pretty brutal. It's this time of year. It's, as I said, it's 87 degrees in my house right now. So the last thing I want to do is sit down in front of a video monitor and probably ride. So I'm going to try and get outside whenever possible. Uh, triple digit week ahead of us here in the great inland Northwest. So should be interesting. Um, thanks to Road ID. Identify yourself when you cannot speak. It's who I am. It's Road ID. Um, and of course, thanks to Elephant Bikes. Uh, newest sponsor, but continuing on. Thanks to Glenn over at Elephant Bikes. Elephantbikes.com. Be sure and tell him and them that you heard it right here. Uh, great custom made steel road, mountain, cyclocross, touring, all types of bikes. If you've ever thought about trying out a custom bike, be worth it to give Glenn and Elephant Bikes a little tryout because uh, great material he's doing over there. Here we are, folks. Tour rest day number one, and um, oh my god, can I can I ask the question? What the fuck is going on? Oh my god, I know every tour has crashes, but Jesus H, tap dancing, wow. I, yeah, there are always crashes in the first week, but holy shit, folks, what's going on? It's like, man, it's like either the courses got way too hard or riders just forgot how to ride. Let's let's recap, shall we? Cavendish out after the first day. Um, Froomey out on the uh, hellish cobblestone day before they even got to the cobblestones. Contador, as of yesterday, out TJ, big losses, huge losses, unsurmountable losses, if you ask me. Um, Andrew Talansky, big losses, going down three, four, five. Both those American guys going down multiple times. Every time the broadcast comes back from a commercial break, somebody's gone down in some way, shape, or form. And it has done horrific things, what I am considering to the overall contention, the GC for the tour. Um, I'm going to say it right now, barring any major disasters, folks, the yellow jersey race is over. If you don't agree with me, let me know why. I think after seeing um, Vincenzo Nibali's efforts on the last week and anybody who could have been in contention to ride with him in any way, shape, or form is now watching it on TV like the rest of us. I hate to burst the bubble, but it's over. The 2014 tour, barring any major crash by Vincenzo Nibali, will be won by Vincenzo Nibali in that ugly Astana kit. I don't know if I'm disappointed. I mean, I don't know Nibali very well. I mean, he's, he's a good rider. He's, he's aggressive. He attacks. So I guess I should like him. But it sure is boring 
knowing that that's basically going to be it. Well, all right, that's where we are. So let's break down the past week, shall we? Let's do a little breakdown. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned in the last broadcast, Cavendish is out. Although Phil probably doesn't quite know that because he's still managing to mention Mark Cavendish's name at least 12 times before the stage reaches its midpoint. And I still, I, I, I'm still playing the drinking game, but I've switched to non-alcoholic substances because I would be like Nicolas Cage in the final scenes of Leaving Las Vegas, just quivering and, and just shaking and waiting for death to come before Elizabeth Shue comes and cuddles with me. And I say cuddle because it's a family show. Fuck. Um, but um, I, Cav is out. Yeah, and they're still talking about it. They won't stop talking about it. That mumbling, mumbling sprinter who drives me up the wall. They won't stop talking about Cav. Uh, so that was it. Froome out. Broken wrist and hand. Ouch. Uh, probably from staring at his stem too long, but um, he's done. Uh, that's it. He he says he's going to race Tour of Spain, but um, but that's it. So how do you think Mr. Brailsford over at Sky really feels about all of this? I mean, really feels about all of this. Do you think he's because we've seen what he's saying to the press? We've seen him turning good PR face. And making these wonderful statements about, no, no, everything's fine. We're just going with Richie Port, and this is going to be great. And uh, maybe the other teams should realize that it's their turn to work. And, and do you think when he gets back to the hotel room, he closes his door and just goes, fuck. Cock and balls. God damn it. Ah. And just throws a huge temper tantrum. Throwing shit, just trash in a hotel room like a rock star. Like like um, Martin Sheen in the beginning of Apocalypse Now. He's just totally, I got his shirt off, smashing shit left and right. <laughs> because Mr. Cock and Balls was arrogant enough to not take a, a past tour winner, Bradley Wiggins, Sir Bradley Wiggins, Decided to have him sit at home because Chris Froome needed the entire team devoted to him. Chris sitting at home Froome needed the entire team devoted to him. Wouldn't it have been nice to have a backup plan? Maybe. I mean, think about this. If you just had Wiggo riding in the pack, not helping the team, just riding along, sipping his water. You don't even have to give him a team masseuse. Give him one kit. Make him wash his own clothes. Just ride along. Maybe one mechanic. And then if worse comes to worse, like something, oh, I don't know, your team leader breaks his wrist in his hand and has to drop out of the tour, there all of a sudden you have the plan B. Let's take it up another notch. Let's say Wigo showed up at the tour and was a complete jackass. He was working against Chris Froome. He was actually trying to derail the team in any way, shape, or form. Do you think that would have caused that much of a headache? 
when your leader's gone and all of a sudden you've got a previous tour winner to work for? I don't think they had a freaking clue that this was going to happen. Nobody does. But wouldn't it have been nice to have that backup plan? Even if you have to break up the boys every so often while they're throwing food at each other at the dinner table because somebody said something about somebody's wife or girlfriend once upon a time and they're all pissed off at each other and you have to treat them like you do teenage girls. Let's say you have to do that. It'd probably be a lot better than the situation you're finding yourself in now. They'd have been better off. Richie Port is suddenly now forcing to see himself to move up into a team leader position, which if you've seen the interviews, you've seen that Richie Port's got his eyes about the size of, of saucers. He's, it, he, he's not ready for this type of a role. He's scared shitless, very likely. He himself seemed doubtful in the interviews that he could pull this off. So here we are. He is still, in my mind, however, the only one left to challenge Nibali because everybody else is gone or has lost so much time that it's, it's blown apart. Port will very likely finish in the top three. And you know what's going to happen. Brailsford is just going to come on with a big smug look on his face. And he's going to say that's just what he planned to have happen. And he's going to just make us all look like idiots. It's disheartening. Disheartening. So that's where we've, we're looking at. Contador. I, would you say this is karma for the specialized bike company in dealing with the Cafe Roubaix debacle that happened earlier this year? Do you think that somewhere... The powers that be said, well, if you're going to be the big cock on the block, maybe maybe we're just going to have it knock you down a notch. Unfortunately, it came at the extent of the last person to contend for the overall leads, Shinbone, Alberto Contador, going down so hard on a broken frame. I guess the top tube and the seat tube were, were severed from this bike, um, apparently caused by some sort of a collision that the car had. The team car had with the frame on top collided with a Belkin car or something like that, um, causing the frame to be damaged. And yet it did still have Contador's number on it. And usually when you see the bike changes happen, they don't have the numbers on them. So uh, there's a little curiosity bubble for you there. But it appears that he got the bike change and rode off a little bit, decided to eat a now, Contador saying he decided to eat an energy bar of some sort, hit a pothole, and that caused his crash. So um, I, I, do, I don't know if we have the full truth yet in terms of what's going on with that. But they, regardless of what's up, the bike broke. Contador broke, got back on his bike, and um, rode for a while with a broken shin bone. Ouch. You know, this is a good time. Um, in, in, yeah, I'm, I'm come back to, I'll come back to Contador to talk about um, how hard-ass some of these bike racers have been in terms of the sheer severity of some of these crashes I've been seeing, and the guys are getting back up. We saw some stuff in the in the Giro that was brutal too, um, and I had to promise my son this when we were at the soccer game the other day because I, I do have a tendency to pick on soccer players with their flopping, with the falling down and looking like they're in so much pain. 
and, and complete suffering. And then they hop up or they get a little freezing spray and they hop up and all of a sudden they're good to go and they're still playing at full speed. And then I always would say, Hey, you know, cyclists, you got Contador, they're riding on a broken shin bone. He's trying to keep it going as best he can. Well, come on. My son would get pissed off at me because I was picking on his game. Um, by the way, I did pick Germany to win the World Cup. And my we filled out brackets here like most Americans fill out brackets for the NCAAs. Uh, we filled out brackets. And I had uh, three of the last four teams, including a Germany-Argentina final. And I had Germany winning. That's how awesome I am. You're welcome, everybody, for having the pleasure of just at least hearing my voice. That's how awesome I am. Um, and I want to know when soccer is going to go to a helmet rule, by the way. Um, you saw, if you watched the World Cup, how many, how many athletes did you see either showing signs of a concussion or people actually receiving concussions and continuing to play on. One of these guys going to look like uh, pro NFL players in about 20 years and be drooling and falling apart. I, I predict in my lifetime, my now one year older lifetime that uh, some sort of head protection will be required for soccer players for pro and, and amateur soccer players. I, I, I think it's inevitable. It's like, just like with cycling, for those of you who've been around in the sport long enough, I remember back in the 70s and early 80s when I was riding and people were in hairnets or um, those tiny little broncali lids that were just a layer of plastic. I had one of those. I had one of those ones with the blue stripes down the center and the, looked like a, like a really shitty hockey helmet at best. And um, I had friends with, with the hairnets and, you know, they put the cap over the top and it looked bitching, but um, as about as you know, as productive as, and I'm trying to find some sort of analogy, well, you know, it's as productive as my bank account, but, um, and we'd all did that. And then I remember my father telling me, he said, you know what, they're going to make helmets mandatory someday here soon. And I looked at him, I said, dad, I didn't say it because I was, you know, you know, don't say that to your dad, but I said the equivalent of dad, you're full of shit. That's never going to happen, man. No way. Bernardi Nolan, Sean Kelly are never going to wear hard helmets. And then all of a sudden, poop, I look like an idiot because very shortly thereafter, all of a sudden, the laws it be happen, cyclists have to wear helmets. They fought it for a while. They didn't wear them up in mountain finishes. And then all of a sudden, now you see them and they're just wearing them all the time. I think that's going to happen to soccer. I think it's a matter of time because you've got too many people getting getting multiple concussions and still continuing to play and it's going to, it's going to happen. So, um, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about soccer versus cycling and the fact that I always complain about the athletes having a tendency to that flop The they, you know, looks like they barely got hit and they're down on the ground writhing in pain. And I, I, it, it does bother me about the sport when I see that, especially when I'm in a sport where people will get up and um, ride on broken collarbones and, you know, and shin bones and things like that. And just, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Keep going. You know, Froome, you know, actually rode, the finish to the stage before he dropped out with that broken, I think the no, the hand was probably broken that day. And then he broke the wrist the next day. If I'm wrong, fine. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, and just kept going, you know, which is total badass. It's got to hurt like hell. And, and you got to look up to that. And then you see a soccer player just flop and fall down. But I, I do have to say that that is a tactical part of the game of soccer. It's like basketball. You see those guys flopping. 
somebody lays a hand on it, they draw the charge by falling back. It's the same concept with, with uh, soccer. So, you know, I'm officially putting it out there that flopping is a part of the game. Some teams tend to do it more than others, which kind of makes you sick of it. But, um, you know, it's not, I can't, you can't compare cycling and, and, and soccer in that sense because if <laughs> – could you imagine a sprint – where uh, let's say the Garens and Talansky thing, you know, Simon Garens and Andrew Talansky bump each other. Talansky intentionally goes flying off the bike and flips it over three or four or five times. That was a brutal crash, by the way. And and tries to draw a foul so Garens gets relegated or his team gets relegated. Or or if they draw the foul, could you imagine Talansky getting, okay, yeah, that was a genuine foul, genuine crash. You get 10 more seconds on the overall standings. You know, people be falling all over the place, you know, for tactical advantage. Um, Nibali, you know, is climbing up a hill. He comes around, spectator touches him. He goes, wah, he goes flying off the bike. All of a sudden he gets another minute and a half overall. That'd be an interesting change to the sport. But cycling, um, you're not going to get anything out of it. There are no fouls called in that sense. Um, and uh, so so soccer has to do it. It's a crucial part of the st- strategy of the game. So I'm not going to pick on soccer floppers anymore. And... Um, and there we go. So uh, anyway, that's I had to go out on that segue and say that. So back to Contador, that's it. You know, here we are. Contador's out. I think he was the only guy who could have won yesterday's stage as opposed to Vincenzo Nibali. And um, and that's it. I think I think the overall prize for the 2014 Tour de France is over. I think it's wrapped up. I think Vincenzo Nibali will be the Italian victor of this year's tour. So there you go. Who else among our rivals and our favorites have had a shithole luck? Uh, TJ. Hey, I got to say, he's not much of, as much of a dick in interviews that I've noticed. The first couple of days of the tour, he was really tense, and he was being a really short, kind of to the point, uh, for lack of a better term, dickhead on, on a lot of interviews that I've noticed. And um, he's coming back. We're starting to see the old TJ back a little bit, where he's at least genuine, and he's nice. you know. And if he's pissed off, I understand being pissed off. Having the... Having the uh, the mantle of leading a tour team can never be easy. Um, and so I give, I guess I'll cut him a little slack, but you know, for the 20 seconds when somebody's got a mic in front of your face, you could probably put on a fake smile. Go, go look at Brailsford from team sky. Take a book page out of his book. He's, he's, you know, he's putting on face. God damn it. Um, but he's, um, TJ's, my God, how many times has he gone down? Four, five, six times? Um, I think he could ride to a podium, but I don't think he's going to do much better than that. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I think, uh, I, mean, I don't think TJ was really going to be an overall contender anyway. You saw in some of the the mountain stages, not mountain stages, some of the more severe climbs. He was hanging with him, but he couldn't handle the accelerations. And um, and you got to be able to go with those or at least go, um, you know, try to limit the damage and, and slowly close that gap back up. But TJ wasn't really, it doesn't seem like he's really able to respond to those. Um, BMC definitely needs to communicate a little bit better. Did you see that stage where, uh, where TJ crashed, was off the back, trying to chase back on with half the team? And um, and his own teammates are, are launching off the front trying to win the stage at the same time. Um, they said it was some sort of lack of communication between the team car and the riders out front. But um, can't you, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of attack and a lot of time spent attacking that you would think somebody in one of the team cars would go, dude, he's up. TJ's trying to get back on. Uh, so, you know, BMC needs to up their communications system. Uh, Talansky, my God. Yeah. He's, he's gone down some brutal crashes and, um, I, it shredded his chance of overall. He's over 10, 12 minutes back. And, um, while he can make up some time, he's not going to be able to make that much. I don't think anybody's going to be able to make up that much, even with time trials, um, what they may be. So, um, the overall riders for the for the contention of the tour are left too far back. So, um, and I I do have to say this about um, Nibali and Astana. And I, did you? Well, you were watching Astana, especially in that cobbled stage. Did you worry a little bit? It's the rest day today. We haven't had any any you know major press releases in terms of. What's going on? You know, nobody's been busted for anything yet. And he says, yet yeah, as he knocks on wood. Um, they look really strong, and that scares me. Again, maybe that's just where I am with my years in the sport and my fear of being screwed again, you know, um, seeing some incredible efforts. My son looked at me while we were watching last night's stage, and he said, Dad, how come nobody can ride with him? How come nobody can keep up with Nibali? And I... I I basically said to him that it looked like the overall contenders, the guys who could have been with Nibali, are are crashed out. They're gone. Contador and Froome and, and, and things like that. And Joaquin Rodriguez hung with him for a while, but he, you know, Nibali left him behind. Um, and I saw it in my son's eyes. I saw him kind of curious as to why this is such a difference. I said, well, maybe it's because of his preparation. Maybe it's because, you know, genetics. Oh, shit, here we go again. And I'm trying to search out all of those excuses to hopefully pad my my fear of the fact that somebody might be doping. Um, so I hope, oh, God, they're really, they rode really strong that day, and they rode really strong the next day. So... Here's to clean Peloton. Uh, so there we go. Uh, the sprint category, let's be honest, I think it's over too. Sagan is so far ahead. Unless he crashes or does something horrible, all he has to do is stay in there and be consistent. It hasn't been the most exciting way to win 
the green jersey because he's not really winning the intermediate sprints. He's not winning any stages. He's getting close. I mean, how how close can you get than stage a couple of days ago where it was, you know, down to the width of a tire? Um, I like Sagan's riding. I like his style. He reminds me of one of the, like the Sean Kelly style of an overall type of a sprinter, not just a specialist sprinter um, that gets a huge lead out train and, and wins stages. But I, I like Sagan's attacking style, especially on that stage. He, he just barely came within inches of, of winning. And it's, I love that he attacked, that he was trying to make that, that two person break stick. And it's cool to see it makes cycling that much more ex- exciting. But, um, I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of stage wins, but He's going to win green. He's going to leave this in green. And hopefully Cannondale's happy with that, happy enough with that. I'm sure they would love some more glory in a stage win. But um, I don't know. Maybe you'll get it in one of the later later stages when even more people are tiring out. So um, if we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include a top five list on, this, on today's episode. And this time it's going to be kind of a recap of the Tour de France. Top five, number one, Nibali, Vincenzo Nibali will very likely win the Tour de France. We can almost set our clocks to that. Number two, Richie Porte will bring, uh, barring a blow-up podium, I think he will. And along with that, Brailsford will be smug and tell us that's what his plan was all along. Bullshit. Uh, number three, there will be attacks, I think, which is good. We're going to see so many riders with nothing to lose that maybe we'll see some fireworks in the mountains in the coming stages. You've got riders who are 10, 12, 15 minutes back who are going to be hopefully going for it and seeing what they can do. You know, it'd be better off to be, you know, to win a stage and, and receive some glory with that than I think winning a top five or top 18 place in the tour, not top five people. Most people in the top five won't be attacking just for stage wins. They'll be attacking for if, if they attack at all. Um, so hopefully there will be some fireworks now that we've got some riders who are so far back who are capable of winning a stage who are cap- would have been capable of winning the tour overall, but are now so far back. So number three, hopefully there, uh, I'm saying there will be some attacks. Uh, number four, Sagan bearing, bearing, barring a crash will win green. I think we could say that with, um, pretty solid confidence. Don't you think? And uh, last five and my last concept of talking about this week in the tour is just for fun. Tommy Volkler will continue to look like he's having a seizure on his bike. I think I ride so weird tongue out. Looks like he's he's part Frankenstein, part Miley Cyrus. I know I've been the one saying he's the Miley Cyrus of cycling and he just he, he bugs me. OK, I'm going to say it. He bugs me. He's a whore for the camera and he just drives me crazy. But um, I think, you know, the French people love him, and it was cool to see um, a French guy in the, uh, in the yellow jersey on Bastille Day. So uh, French, I think, could walk away from this with a pretty happy tour so far. And you know when the French riders are doing better, uh, we're getting closer to a dope-free peloton because I think the, the French have been testing so hard for drugs for so long that not all their riders, or at least the majority of their riders, are clear. Um. So there you go. Tour de France wrap up. I'm 28 minutes into the podcast and I'm going to switch to my little topic that I want to, I want to bring to an attention and and see what you guys think about this one. But let me start off with a little story. Okay. Um, I've told you guys about the weeknight racing series that happens in my area. In fact, there's one tonight going to go out and try and suffer and triple digit temperatures and do a little crit tonight. And, uh, 
last week we did have another uh, weeknight crit, which is, you know, they're fun. They're nice to get out there and go hard and get some, you know, get some speed work done in the middle of the week and race with some friends. Um, the group I was in consisting mostly of, of old farts, which I personally see the sport turning into. Mostly masters. There were some younger riders in there, but not a lot. The majority of them were masters in the group I was in that night. And one guy, I will not name his name, took it upon himself to claim himself basically the ruler of the Peloton. I simply referred to him as the dick of the day. This guy was barking orders, yelling to pull through, yelling at people to pull through, pointing at people to pull through, bullying, basically, you know, manhandling his way through this group of masters on a Tuesday night. I can't emphasize enough that these were masters on a Tuesday night in a small town in the inland Northwest. Um, it, sometimes he'd even yell for to pull through from the back of the pack, and it always made me laugh. It's like, okay, why aren't you up here doing some work if you're at the back of the pack, you know, fresh enough to yell orders at everybody else? Assuming, basically, I'm just guessing that this guy was assuming, guessing and assuming, that everybody else in this group were, were all apparent morons. Um, just being a complete asshole. And you can't go away from an effort like that and, and, and acting like that, thinking that you were in the right. Um, uh, hey, dickhead, um, I've been racing for almost 30 years. You don't have to come up and tell me what to do in a race. Um you know, don't tell me what to do. Go fuck yourself, man. And I, the only guy who could yell orders and control a Peloton was named Bernardi Noah, and he retired in the eighties. So you don't, you don't get to assume that job here in a small town at a small weekend race. And I, I just wish we could put a stop to these type of people and these type of riders. And I guess cycling kind of being one of those self motivating sports it's going to be hard to get away from people like that because it just attracts that type of a person person who thinks a little bit highly of themselves and tries to impose that upon everybody else and um you know a little bit of the narcissism <laughs> um but um if you don't like my the style in which i'm riding a race asshole go drop me attack me do something you know if there's money on the line or or world tour points or something like that i can see getting angry and and wanting something to go in your favor if it's a stage race and there's there's a break up the front or but in this case there wasn't even a break and this guy was trying to act like a the dick of the day i can understand going if there's something on the line but if there's not this is a Tuesday night race for no prizes. To quote the great Ted Chauvin, shut up and race your bike. Please shut up and race your bike. And you know what else really pissed me off? The guy was swearing like he was a sailor on furlough. He was just barking out F-bombs all along the course at, at other riders. Stop doing that, dude. It makes us all look like assholes. Because when we go by a family watching the race and they're hearing behavior like this, they're just blanking us all together. And it's your fault, you asshat. I know the irony and the fact that I'm swearing right now. 
We need sponsors and new riders, dude. Yelling fuck while you're in a crit kind of screws that up. You know, and speaking of which, to this gentleman, you ride for a local shop. And guess what? I'm not going to that shop now. Me, Pat Bulger, I'm not going to that shop. And I'm sure it, it you know, just destroys everything. But because of you, I'm not going. So think about it. How do we control this? How do we, how do we as the other riders in the, in the group control people like this? Do we yell back telling him he's being the dick of the day? That would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, wouldn't work. Do we ignore him? Do we do what he tells us to do and reward his behavior? Patrick at packfiller.com. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Or uh, tweet with a hashtag dick of the day and tell me what you think. That's my uh, that's my little soapbox. I was pissed at that asshole. And if he's out there tonight, I'll do the same thing again. I did quote Ted and I just said, dude, shut up and race your bike. Relax. Then some guy got into it with him and they were screaming at each other while we're going, you know, rolling at 30 miles an hour down the home stretch. Fuck. <sighs> Speaking of shops, um, keep it coming, by the way, on your pack filler rides ideas. I've been getting some info and some uh, responses in terms of that and some people who actually want us to come to their area or their community and do a ride, start, finish at a, at a coffee shop, bike shop, or pub, and uh, finish it off with a podcast with a, a live guest either right there with us or um, over the phone and some of our listeners will be able to talk to that individual and see what's going on. So um, we're lining up, I'm lining up guests as we speak. I've got hopefully one that we're hopefully going to try and get done today, but, but scheduling it with this, with this uh, person has been a, been kind of a challenge. And um, this person's got a, a heck of a busy schedule and, and getting her onto the show is, is tough. So um, I'm going to probably be recording that segment. Hopefully this week and get it out to you as soon as possible and, and do that kind of stuff. But it'd be cool to have some of those guests there or on the phone. So um, if you wanted to ask a question of them or whatever, and, and, you know, have some beers and laugh about the, about the ride and about the sports that we're all involved in, uh, the sport that we are all involved in and, and just go with that from there. And so keep that feedback coming. Um, info at packfiller.com or drop it on our Facebook or Twitter and uh, keep it going with that. And I also talked last week about the review concept and, um, and I've got a, I've got another review that I'm, a, I'm in the midst of working on right now. I'm working with Trek and um, Trek, in case you did not know, um, had a recall recently of their Marlin bikes. Uh, my son's on a Marlin mountain bike and um, you know, not high end, not carbon, but um, they uh, had recall do something in regards to the fork um, some sort of situation which might not cause the wheel to stay on very well. Yikes. So uh, my local bike shop just told, called me last week, told me to stop, told me to have my son stop riding the bike immediately and bring it in. And so we'll see what their warranty process is like. And I'll let you guys know how that all works and how dealing with track and turnaround time and things like that go. So uh, they will be our next um, our next review in terms of, of products and companies. And we'll see what kind of a pack 
filler rating they will receive from that one. <laughs> uh, and if you do own a Trek Marlin, um, check out your local bike shop, your local Trek dealer, and see if indeed you have that year, that model, and um, if you have to get your bike fixed. You do, the last thing you want to do is be out riding the trails and have your front wheel fall off. You'd end up looking like a tour rider. Um, so there you go. Uh, live schedule coming up. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got this weekend? The, uh, Chelan man multi-sport weekend. I've been going out there and announcing that event for a long time. It's a great fun weekend. Everything from multi-sport. Uh, we've got, um, all different triathlon distances. We've got a half marathon, a 10 K and I think even a five K run all happening in one of the most beautiful venues that I have. I get the pleasure of announcing with throughout this season right on beautiful Lake Chelan among the Washington wineries and um, a gorgeous lake and a really fun place to go. So if you got this weekend open, head over to Lake Chelan. Look at chelanman.com. I think it's just the website, chelanman.com, or Google it in there. You can probably find the website. Um, they do fill up, but we'll see if they have any more spots left for you. That's this upcoming weekend. Next weekend, race the river triathlon, a continuing hit in the uh, triathlon scenes. You notice I end up doing a lot of triathlons for a guy who talks about cycling in his podcast. He sure goes and watches a lot of people adding in a swim or run. Um, So that will be happening, when is that? The 27th of July, 2014, race the river triathlon. Look them up, racetheriver.com, and... um, a uh, really great event. And if you've never done triathlon, this is a perfect first one for you. I'm okay. I'm not joking. When I say this, the swim, you could complete the swim by treading water. Seriously. It is downstream, slow moving river. You could tread water and eventually finish the swim. Bike and run rolling to flat condi- conditions. Um, it's fast. And it's a great, great environment. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, if you are looking for that one. Race the River Triathlon, thanks to Isaac Mann and the group putting on that race. Another fun one. Uh, Schlamman, by the way, is July 18th, 19th, and 20th. Actually, the events are on the 19th and 20th. Beautiful place, beautiful backdrop. So uh, be sure and check out both of those events. I'm sad to say that the Down Spokane uh, Twilight Criterium has been canceled for this year, thanks to the douchebags involved in the city organization shutting down an event, but it is going to hopefully be on the calendar again for next year. So um, there we go. We're going to be recording. I will be recording, if not we, um, the next tour rest day. We're going to talk about what's happening throughout this upcoming week and see what we can get in terms of some changes. And, some, you know, hopefully we're going to get some attacks this week, campers, because I'm telling you, Nibali is going to be in yellow for the for quite a long time to go. And uh, hopefully that guest interview I teased you with will be coming up shortly, and we will be able to get that person um, on the show and talk about her perspective in cycling and um, some of the major things this person had a part of. So, Tour de France, we got two weeks to go, gang. So, summer's still in full bloom yeah, ride your bike, keep the rubber side down. Let's hope the pros can do the same thing. In the pack filler dining room, god damn it, my studio is still in work, you guys. I'm still in sanding sheet dust, sheetrock, sheet dust. I just sand the dust. No, I'm sanding sheetrock on the ceiling now to try to get that patched up and finished. Then I'm going to paint, then I'm going to put the floor in. 
It's already got it all wired. It's it's so close, and it's downstairs in my in this place. So it's going to be about ten degrees cooler than it is up here. Oh God, I can't wait to do it. I'll post pictures when I get it up. You guys, <laughs> he said he'll post pictures when he gets it up, um, and it'll be really cool. It'll be nice, and I can go there all the time. It's my little oasis. Listen to my records. I'm sorry. What? Oh, um, yeah. In the packfiller.com dining room. I'm Pat Bulger, ABM. We will talk to you in about a week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.